Welcome to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from AccuNet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Welcome to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show. I'm Mark Sinkrist along with AccuNet Mortgage and AccuNet Realty Advisors, owner and president uh, Brian Wickert and chief millennial loan consultant David Wickert. Now, if you have questions or a comment, you can reach us on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The number is easy, 414-799-1620. Guys, how are you doing this morning? Well, you know, we're doing just fine here. Just fine. A little cloudy today. You know, I don't know what that's going to do for, for home open houses. I predict they're going to be crowded. Hey, by the way, you know that opening theme show music that we have, Our House? Yes. Which is by some one-hit wonder band? Yes. Uh, Jerry had dug up this story last week, but we didn't get to it. Uh, couples are now vlogging, video blogging, creating a video uh, pitch to sellers in this competitive market, and one such couple used our house as the theme music for their love letter vlog, (laughs) and they won the house despite their offer being $20,000 less than the next competing offer because the seller's theme song, like when they first bought their house, was... Our house, boom. Very nice. In the middle of the street. So a little. Not for $20,000. Well, it was worth it to them. Emotion (laughs) overcomes logic uh, nine out of ten times. All right. So. um, That's how competitive it is out there. That's right. You got to pick the right song. Say, what is your favorite song that I could use in my vlog? A housing song. (laughs) All right. Anyway. A bad news on interest rates. Keep creeping up. And for no good reason. Um. The Freddie Mac weekly survey of rates this week, which is published on Thursdays, said that the average 30-year fixed rate in America was 4.61 if you were willing to pay 0.4 points. That is the highest level since May 2011. Now, as regular listeners to our show know, David, when do they gather the Freddie Mac? Ooh, Monday and Tuesday. That's right. So by Thursday, those are already old. And unfortunately, this week, rates kept creeping up. And uh, so we ended the week uh, at 4.75% on a 30-year fixed rate with zero points. No yeah. points, a little yeah. over an accident. And uh, no other lender fees. That's if you had 25% equity and all the other right stuff on a $200,000 loan. The APR is 4.789. And by the way, the other third-party fees for appraisal, credit report, title, closing costs, after we give you a little snibble of a credit, would only total 990 for good, that rate. good good number by you. Yeah, 995. That's marketing. Okay, now compared to Quicken Loans, which is a registered trademark of Quicken Loans Inc., which licenses that their name from uh, into it. Into it. Thank you. They were offering 4.75 on a $200,000 loan, 25% equity. <clears throat> How are you ready? And they were only charging 2.125 points, so that's $4,250 which makes their APR 5.038% for the same rate. For the same thing. That we are charging you uh, at Acunet Mortgage. So, uh, David, if you were buying a house, what could you do with $4,250 other than fork it over to the guys with the rocket? I could buy a snowblower. I could buy a new couch. 
We could go on a nice trip somewhere. Yeah. I could literally do anything. You could do a lot of things. I could just look at it in my bank account. Compared to those fine folks over at Chase Bank, which is, I'm sure, a uh, registered trademark of Chase. J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, J.P. Morgan Chase. They were quoting 4.625 on a $200,000 30-year fix with 25% equity. They were charging one and a quarter points, which is $2,500 on a $200,000 loan. But I could actually get a detailed quote on their website this morning. So they also stick you with a $995 underwriting and processing charge, plus another 98 bucks for tax service and flood certification. So a grand total of $2,695. That's more. That's more. But for, at Acunet, we would have had to charge a half a point, which is $1,000. So we are beating them by $1,695. And yet people don't shop around. They just lazily and crazily go with their bank and freddie Mackin, as a matter of fact has a survey out talking about how like 60 percent of people do not shop uh for their mortgage they just like go with their bank and that is uh lighting your hard-earned money on fire so you could do a lot of things with those um savings now the other interesting thing is that freddie mac has officially increased their rate forecast for the 30-year fixed rate to reach in 2019, are you ready? 5.1%. <laughs> so, they decided to change their forecast after rates had already started to creep up? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And uh, and then you sent me an article about uh, a guy from Goldman Sachs where they, I think, probably employ some pretty expensive economists. Yeah. And they are calling for the 10-year Treasury yield. That's the interest rate that all of us pay when we borrow money as Uncle Sam. Yeah. Uh, it currently ended the week at 3.06. It had been up as high this week as 3.11, which again is a fresh high for the last Ooh. X number of years. Yeah. And so this guy from Goldman Sachs is saying, hey, we think it's going up to how high? 3.6. Yep, so another half percent raise from where we are right now. Well, you know what's interesting now is that the rate quotes we're given now are matching prime. Oh, that's right. The prime rate is 4.75. David, what are the chances of the Federal Reserve raising rates yeah. on June 13th? On the... Literally, they are 100%, yeah. which is insane to me. But well, that, yeah. that is certainty. Well, but and part of that, though, is there is a little variation. I think it's like 90-some percent is for... Oh, no, 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 no. 93% is to go up a quarter, and... Yeah. No, it's literally, it's 100%. Well, I know, but there, part yeah. of that is that it could go up a half instead of a quarter Mm-mm. no no it's all a hundred the on entire a quarter. market is is betting that it's only a quarter all right there you go all right when we come back from this first break i'm going to do two things tell you how much this rise in rates is impacting affordability when it comes to buying a home and then david's got a really good story about a first-time condo buyer from the chicago area when we come back and sounds interesting guys you're listening to the acunda mortgage and realty show right here on wtmj Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. All right, Superintendent Darian, the driver moving on from MPS. So how should we go about moving on to improve the district? Steve Scafidi shares his opinion with us on that. 9.35 tomorrow morning right here on WTMJ. Brian and David, we're going to talk a little bit more about rates. And then I think, David, you got an interesting story for us, huh? 
I want the record to show I literally turned my laptop around and I showed you, Dad, that yeah. it's literally 100%. It is literally 100%. It's not split up. It's 100% it odds. 100% on that one event, up quarter percent again on, which will put the prime rate at 5%. Well, yeah. And odds for the Fed to go up in uh, September. It's already at 73. Yeah. So rates so are going to continue. It's not going down. Correct. Correct. All right. So we were just talking about how, you know, currently the mortgage rate with no points at low overhead acunet, unlike other lenders, is currently resting at 4.75 on the old 30-year fixed. Now, a year ago, it was a lot lower, 3.99% uh, with no points. And so if you were buying a $200,000 home last year with 5% down, your total payment would be 1383 bucks. That includes taxes, assuming the taxes are 4000 a year, and includes monthly mortgage insurance, okay, and homeowner's insurance. Now, this year, let's just say home prices are up 5%. Oh, why? I just didn't pull that out of my left ear. That's actually a statistically valid number. And so now that $200,000 home is selling for two ten. Yeah. And now rates are 4.75. Oh. Well, that doesn't actually hurt you so much in the down payment department because you're borrowing most of the money. So your total cash out of pocket on the two homes last year versus this year, only $620 more out of your pocket. But your payment is $140 more per month. Now let's press fast forward and go to next year. When Freddie Mac has now yep, predicted that mortgage five. rates will be 5.125 I used. And they're predicting 4% appreciation. So that boosts the price of that $200,000 house from last year up to $218,400. You're borrowing more money because you're still putting the 5% down. Mm -hmm. And you're getting clipped with the interest rate increase. So that shoves it up another 93 bucks. So if you waited two years, you are now paying $232 more per month for the same house. So that's the cost of waiting. So you, you, I continue to read articles online that it's shrinking the pool of potential home buyers. Fine, because is, there are well, too many right well, now but in, I, relative but to I, sellers. I, dis, I disagree with the sentiment. I, I mean, no one wants to pay more for the same car. That's true. But it's not for, for folks who want to own a home, who are deciding to own a home based upon a personal life event like getting married, Hey, honey, we have three kids now, and so our two-bedroom place doesn't work anymore. That there, people are going to find a way to make that happen. Do, speaking of weddings and new home ownership, do you think Prince Harry and and what's her name, Meghan, are buying a house? I think they already own a house. You think they do several Some palace? Yes. <laughs> okay. We don't do palace loans, but we not yet. We do lend up to like two million. Oh, so we could do that. Um, all right. So, no, but your 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 point being that it's going to cost more to buy that house, but well, so be it. Buck up. Okay. Now, you, you the story you're going to tell us after this next break <clears throat> is a first time condo buyer. Yeah. Purchasing what was the purchase price? One thirty seven. Okay, one hundred and thirty seven thousand dollar condo in the Chicago metro area, and their total payment, including the homeowners association dues, was going to be thirteen fifty seven. One thousand three hundred fifty seven dollars. So. You know, I don't know if that's cheaper or on par for what they could rent a similar apartment for. Maybe it's getting close in that Chicago area. But we're going to tell you when we came back um, how our fact-finding ultimately resulted in this condo buyer saying, no, thank you. We'll give you the details when we come back. All right. You're listening to the Accunate Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ.
getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Weckert on WTMJ. Training camp is only a couple of months away, and WTMJ is your flagship for all things green and gold. To see full coverage of the Packers, including the 2018 schedule, text the word PACKERS to the AccuNet Mortgage and text line. That's 414-799-1620. Gentlemen, back to you. All right. So, uh, so David's got this uh, frontline story here. This young lady is going to buy a condo in suburban Chicago area. And, uh, and it's human nature to assume that everything is just fine. And yeah. this was also a quick closing, David. What was the closing timing on this? Yeah, so they were trying to close within about 28 days from acceptance to closing on the okay. 7th of next month. Which we can do. Was she rock solid pre-approved, I hope? No. Okay. Well, all right. Extra so, interesting. Extra. Well, so I, I always feel like I sound like a broken record, but when you buy a condo, you are joining a family. A club, I call it. A club. Possibly a dysfunctional one. A dysfunctional family club. So this is a big development. There's 300-some units in this development. And so uh, in this case, when you put less than 10% down, we, as your lender, are going to do a full review, which means we're going to ask some questions. We're going to get a questionnaire done. We're going to ask about insurance. And so we, lightning quick, got this questionnaire back from the association or their management company. I have a new word for that. I'm going to call it a condoscopy because we are looking <laughs> yes. deep inside yes. the condo exam. to find out everything that matters. And so, and so we got this questionnaire back, and we learned a couple new things. Like? Like, of these 300-some units, over half are technically classified as investment properties. Well. Not technically, actually, right? I mean, yeah, they are not owner-occupied. They are not owner-occupied primary residences. So lots of other people figured out, boy, at this price point, I can own this condo and rent it out and make money. And we also learned that some 90 of the 300 units... 90 out of 300. Were, ...were some combination of 30, 60, and 90 days late, delinquent, on their association dues. So 90 of your neighbors were not paying their bill. Which means that the other 210 who are paying their bill, you're footing the expense on behalf of, of your delinquent people. neighbors. So so uh, uh, Tim uh, Holdman was the uh, loan officer mm-hmm. on this particular file. And so uh, in the way that we, we try to lead people to water or, or just try to point out what the facts are, Tim hops on the phone with this young lady and... Um, starts to review what we now know about this, the health of this family. And um, she decided pretty quickly that she doesn't want to join this club. Yeah. Because as Tim pointed out to her, uh, you know, sometime in the future when this place needs a new roof, well, 90 of your neighbors aren't going to be pitching in to help get that new roof because they're not paying that dues on time right now. Yep. And... And so this exam of the association helped this buyer make a make an informed informed. decision. Now, you know, why didn't she do that homework ahead of time? Because nobody made her do it. Correct. And because she didn't know what questions to ask. Well, folks, if you would like to have a primer on condo financing and what I, Brian Wickard, would do if I was even paying cash for a condo. Oh, yeah. Go to the acunet.com website, and under Buy a Home, there is a 
really nice, kind of excruciatingly long, but if you really are buying a condo, you should read it, uh, blog on condo financing. Ugh. Because, you know, it, had this young lady been putting 10% down? We wouldn't have. We would have never discovered any of this stuff. Because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac allow us to do, to do what's called a limited condo review when a home buyer on a primary residence has 10% down. So but wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know? Yeah. How many am I? And then what are we, what do we have for a budget, you know, and what are we saving up for reserve people? Human nature is simply to assume that, well, somebody has got to be doing a good job at all this stuff. And well, sometimes that well, assumption, you can't, you can't go to your Nate, you can't knock on your neighbor's door and pick his pocket to pay his dues. You know, that's, well, and we've seen plenty of situations where, <clears throat> you know, these deferred maintenance items can add up, especially in a big condo project like this, to like millions, not oh. not just uh, tens of thousands. Yeah. All right. So uh, coming up uh, after the news here at the bottom of the hour, uh, I took a call this week from a uh, person who was already owned a, a vacation property up north, a really lovely vacation property, and wanted to help their son or no daughter and son-in-law buy the cabin immediately next door uh, to their lovely vacation home on a lake up north and I'm going to tell you uh, how that played out after the news don't break the bank to get into a house back to the AccuNet mortgage and realty show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ all right, we are back. And before you broke for the news, Brian, your tease about the family having an interest in the cabin next door really piqued my interest. What's that about? Sure. Well, you know, and it's... You only know what you know, as my mother says. Well, that's that's right. But, you know, here's the how the scenario unfolded. So I get this voicemail. I call the person back. Hey, um, we're looking at buying uh, this lot and cabin next to our vacation home up north. And we want to buy it, uh, but my husband and I want to be the borrowers, but we want to take title with our adult, you know, daughter and her husband. They're just, you know, not kind of quite ready to do We don't want to burden them with the loan, but eventually, <laughs> but eventually, we do. but eventually they, they'll <laughs> buy it from us. Them. And so we're thinking like maybe a 10 year fixed or something like that. And the, and the price point is relatively modest, $105,000. So, you know, okay, so we accept that premise, but then we start to ask smart questions like, well... Why, do the details matter? Uh, yeah, do the details do matter. So you have a, um, a, a vacation home up there. You know, what's that worth? Well, maybe 800000 Like, Wow, that's a really nice vacation home. And, yeah, I think they had like a mortgage on that of maybe around 300000 or something like that. Uh, what's the rate on that? Oh, we got 2.75 on a 15-year fixed. Okay, so to a mortgage guy, that means That's let's not touch that. White hot. Yeah, let's not touch that. Okay, what about your, do you have a primary residence? Yep, primary residence in southeastern Wisconsin, 250, maybe carrying a mortgage of 150, something like that. Again, 2.75 on a 15-year fixed. So it's like, okay, don't want to meddle with that. <laughs> And that is free money. Tell me a little bit more about the, you know, so, so one thing I share with her, I said, you're not going to believe this, but <clears throat> that property you're trying to buy next door to a mortgage lender falls in the third bucket because you, you can't have the two vacation homes like right next to each other. You already have a vacation home, so and it's not your primary residence. So the third category is non-owner occupied meaning a rental yeah or you know it's in that same bucket as a rental property 
Uh, so that you know, and then she shares. Well, it's and it's really kind of a three-season cabin, meaning huh? it's not really well insulated or suitable for full-year yeah. uh, occupancy. I, I'm sorry, they want to give this house to their children eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, or have them buy it from them, or okay. what have you. And then just to put a cherry on top, it's like, and we'd like to take title in the name of our trust, but then also with our adult children who won't be on the loan. And I said. I have got it. And how fast do you want to pay this loan up? Like three years. I said, awesome. Here's what, here's my recommendation. So sometimes giving advice results in no business mm -hmm. for good old Accident. I said, you just need a home equity line of credit on either one of your properties. Mm -hmm. Then you pay cash for the place next door. Yeah, yeah, I know the interest won't be tax deductible on the home equity line of credit, but you're going to pay this thing off so fast that it does not matter. Yeah, the rate it, could be 20%, and who cares? Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, because, again, the rate only matters if you're paying over a long period of time. It really doesn't matter. If you're paying it off in one payment, it matters not at all. Yeah. But in your case, you're going to pay it off really fast. So I believe that's what she is going to do is um, take that advice and, you know, use equity in her existing home because that property up there is hard to finance more you know find all the comps uh, that sold that are three season cabins well maybe there are but fannie mae and freddie mac don't want to finance three season cabins right okay so that's gonna you're gonna end up with some portfolio local bank product you know the nicolay forest state bank or something like that <laughs> so so it's just hard to finance so, so, so sometimes when you call that's how honest we are we tell you you're better off doing something else. And she got plenty of equity in that other house. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when we come back, I have got a list. Uh, De Jerry uh, found this. The Consumer Affairs rundown of the five best and five worst home buying and selling websites out there. We'll give you that rundown when we come back. Okay. Looking forward to that. And you're listening to the Accunate Mortgage and Realty Show right here on WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Well, could the controversial wheel tax be making a comeback? Milwaukee County Executive Chris Abley and WTMJ Steve Scafidi discuss that and much more during WTMJ's Conversations. It's a great show. Coming up this morning, 11 o'clock right here on WTMJ. Okay, Mr. Wickard, here we go. The five best and worst home buying and selling websites. Are we starting with the good news first? I don't know. I was just going <laughs> to ask you, do you think we should go with the bad? Let's, let's go with the bad and then we'll, uh, okay. we'll tell you what we really think. Okay, so uh, I guess we should count these down in reverse order. Sorry for our friends at Remax, but uh, they're the fifth worst as rated by this guy, uh, Jeremiah Jensen from Consumer Affairs. And so he didn't like their site. Block Shopper is the fourth worst. Century 21. Reviewers say these guys are all about the money and can be a little unhelpful. Certainty, certainly not as bad as the worst of the list, but not good. Number two, Realty Track. Uh, it's supposed to specialize in foreclosed properties, but reviewers say its information is shoddy and out of date. And the worst site is called Reply Real Estate, known for bad leads and unprofessional service. This site is a big no-no. All right, let's go to the top uh, uh, sites. And uh, in fifth, the fifth best site is HomeFinder.com. 
It emphasizes mobile capability, offering multiple avenues of access for Androids and Apples and blah, blah, blah. Uh, number four, Realtor.com. I would think that that's a really popular one because it's owned by the National Association of Realtors. Now, this one obviously would be if you're renting, Apartments.com, the third best. PropertyRecord.com is rated number two. And what I found interesting about that, because I did visit that one, it just kind of gives you information about a property, like the lot size and square footage and stuff like that. So it's not really shopping. And then the number one site ranked, uh, according to Consumer Affairs, was Homes.com. And I did visit there. It was it was kind of a nice, easy-to-use site. I was surprised. Who's missing from this list, David, that you would have expected to be on? Zillow? There? Yeah. I was surprised that Zillow was not on this list. And kind of the neat thing about Zillow uh, that I don't think is true of Homes.com is that on Zillow you can also get for sale by owner sure. listings in addition to those listed uh, by realtors. Come on. on multiple I, listing I walked service. into a closing on Friday uh, to thank people for their business, and they said they found their home on Craigslist for sale by owner. Wow. In Brookfield. Okay. Well, and in this kind of a hot market, you know, I don't have any statistics on this, but I would imagine that the number of people who try to put a sign in their yard or put it on Craigslist or list it on Zillow as for sale by owner is increasing, yeah. right? Because why not give it a try? I think the biggest risk there is underpricing your product, you know, because you might not have as good a handle on the value of your house as a professional real estate person or overpricing too well there you go i guess correct pricing and i we were talking before you know while we were on the last break david and i both agree what you really need to be a successful buyer is a sharp buyer's agent which is a real estate agent who you contract with to represent you in your best interest yeah and actively be out there looking for the latest breaking you know new listings or maybe in their office hey, we're previewing these properties. They're not out there yet, but I got one coming in Brookfield or Wauwatosa or New Berlin or Whitefish Bay, which are some of the hotter markets, and kind of get the jump on it. I was talking to one real estate agent who, get this, actually goes out there, and if you know he knows that you're interested in Canterbury Hill, that's where David grew up and where we had our home in Brookfield, he will go around and ring doorbells. And, you know, or I think he had a person who missed out on a particular property and, you know, came in second in the bidding where like, okay, I'm just going to walk around. I'm going to canvas the neighborhood. As they say, go, asking is for free. Yeah. Ding. Oh, what is that? Asking is? Asking is for free. That's an acronym? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Oh, you made that. No, yeah. That's a good thing. Asking is for free. I mean, nobody's probably going to shoot you for walking up to their door and saying, hey. I'd like to buy your house, please. Yeah. Like, or, or do you know anybody in the neighborhood who's contemplating? And literally, according to this real estate agent who I was talking to, while he was doing that canvassing, he got a text alert on his phone of a new listing coming up on the MLS, right? Because the MLS is kind of like the hub of information. There are a lot of ways to get notified about things that happen on there. And so this agent got that text I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm like two blocks away from this house, called his buyer, went over there and wrote the offer and got it accepted before anybody could even get there to see the property. So that's how kind of crazy it is. Yeah, we got it. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, most. Nah, it's fine. nah, all right. Well, all right. In this last segment of the show, I did a little more wonky research, but this is good. I'm going to give you some good cocktail conversation 
that'll make you, you know, the look, smartest person in the room. Well, you know, or at least kind of show off your knowledge of financial items concerning the country. So I want you to think about what do you think the total amount of outstanding treasury debt there is currently right now as of the end of April. I'm going to talk about that Woo. and how that impacts mortgage lending and home buying when we come back. On the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show right here on WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. The border battle rolls on as the Brewers and Twins continue their weekend series from Minneapolis. Jeff and Lane are on the call and our coverage starts at 1235 p.m. today. Sponsored by the Wisconsin Cranberry Growers. All right, Brian, before the break, you had some thoughts on the impact of, of Treasury debt. What's that about? Yep. So, uh, you know, rates are going up. We covered that at the beginning of the show. And it's all good old supply and demand. I mean, that's the bottom line. Fundamental economics going on here with everything, including interest rates. And so the total amount of outstanding uh, treasury debt, $21 trillion. $21 trillion. That's a lot of zeros. That is many zeros. But here's the interesting thing. You know, most people think about, well, in the foreign governments own a bunch of that. Actually... 5.7 trillion or 27%, a little more than one out of uh, $4, is actually held by other government entities. So, for example, Social Security, the Social Security Trust Fund, they collect all this money from us out of our paychecks, and they've got <clears throat> a lot of money that they need to keep safe. And so, what do they do? They buy U.S. Treasury bonds, bills, and notes, and that totals 2.8 trillion. Hmm. Uh, the Office of Personnel Management Retirement Fund. So in other words, federal government workers like congressmen and people who work at the VA and stuff like that. They've got $888 billion, which is just a little under a trillion. Military Retirement Fund, $670 billion. Medicare, $294 billion. All other retirement funds, $304 million. Add it all up, and you've got $5.7 trillion that is held by government, Dave. I was just going to toss in that the Fed owns some of that, too. Well, that, that actually gets count in counted under the debt held by the public. Oh. The Federal Reserve holds 2.5-ish trillion. That's of the remaining 15 and chain, 15 trillion, let's call it. Foreign governments only, I'm using those air quotes, own 6 trillion of our debt. So that's cool, about cool six. 28%. But don't, it's not like China owns all of our debt. I don't have a breakdown on the denominator, or, you know, the which countries own how much. Yeah. Mutual funds own $1.67 trillion of U.S. Treasury debt. Huh. State and local government pension funds, including their pension funds, just under a trillion at $905 billion. Other private pension funds, $553 billion. Banks own $663 billion. So the problem is that now with the tax cut, which we're all going to enjoy that, the income tax cut, <clears throat> and the spending that we're increasing on infrastructure and blah, 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 the federal government's got to borrow a lot, lot of money. An additional $1 trillion a year to fill the gap between what we bring in in income tax receipts and what we write checks for on spending and, and what do they call those things? Uh, entitlements, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Medicaid. So we're borrowing more money, and, and that's why the interest rates is fundamentally going up. Now, what I cannot figure out, though, is this. <clears throat> what other countries are paying. So it costs the United States of America 3.06% interest right now. 
to borrow money for a period of 10 years. Japan, the third largest economy. I'm, this is not a typo. 0.06%. Mm-hmm. So just a frog here above zero. Greece has to pay about four and a half. You, took, you stole my thunder, son. <laughs> yeah, those used to be the, the, I, I, uh, the countries that were most likely to go into default. Greece is only a little bit paying a little bit more than us. Yeah. The other ones were Portugal. That was part of the PIGS acronym. Oh, yeah. They pay less than us now. 1.85%. I couldn't find Ireland, so I substituted Italy, which was just talking about, what, defaulting on their government debt or something was in the news last week. 2.22%. Spain, who's on the verge of revolution, you know, with Catalonia and all this stuff. Yeah. 1.44%. England, 1.5%. France, 0.83, 0.83, under 1%. Germany, 0.58%. Canada, they have, their currency is called the loonie, for goodness <laughs> sakes. They're at 2.49%. So I am at a loss as to with all, <laughs> how low rates are elsewhere that people aren't willing to lend to the United States of America. I am going to go on a mission to figure out why we are paying such a premium over other sovereign uh, countries for their debt. The bottom line, though, for uh, Americans, whatever the reason is, uh, interest rates in general. Oh, by the way, student loans, I just read online this morning, uh, the rate on student loans next year is going up. That is the one and only interest rate that is actually pegged to the 10-year Treasury yield. Hmm. I'm tired of reading articles in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere that say, Oh, the 10-year Treasury yield is up to 3.0. That's a benchmark rate for blah, blah. It's not a benchmark rate. It's just the rate that we have to pay to borrow money. The only thing that it benchmarks is federal student loans, and that rate is going to 5.05 for the next academic year, starting in, like, July. And that's up from 4.45 this past year, so student loans are going to get more expensive. Uh, The bottom line is I think it's better in general to borrow money right now then it's going to be in six months or a year. And that definitely, you know, affects the affordability. Um, if you're going to buy a home, and certainly if you're refinancing. Um, we're now a is, lot of people combine that first and second mortgage. Okay, because the home equity line of credit rate is going to continue to go up, or if they have credit cards, or people are realizing if they're doing a major remodeling, it can be cheaper to pull money out and refinance their first mortgage on a nice fixed rate than it is to use a variable rate home equity line of credit. i got somebody I'm going to work on that with uh, this coming week. All right, so what do you do if you want to find out about either refinancing or to get started on a really important rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy? You know what to do, David. What do you do? Click on the blue button at Acunet.com. That's A-C-C-U-N-E-T dot com. We'll see you again here the same time next week, Mark. Bye-bye. All right, gentlemen, as always, it's been a pleasure sitting in with you. Thank you so much. WTMJ News Time is 10.58. The preceding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.